The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings one and all wherever you are in the world. Welcome to TNT, TNT and Lembit Opic here. Uh, I'm delighted to have you with me. Uh, we have got a great guest coming up, Abby Roberts, who's also in the stable of TNT. She's got her own show. We'll talk about that in a little while. Before we go to her, though, I want to talk about war. We've got a war in Ukraine or a conflict there. We've got conflict in the Middle East. Is that the best way to save uh, to to save lives and to solve problems, or have we got something terribly wrong in the West? It seems to me that the West seems comfortable to use might rather than negotiation when we don't like the way things are, and we gamble that our proxy warmongers uh, will do the job for us. It also seems quite clear to me now that in Ukraine the situation is bogged down. It's a stalemate between Russia and the Ukraine, which of course is costing billions to the West. The United Kingdom is spending a lot of money in supporting Zelensky. Indeed, Prime Minister Sunak was there recently. But what's it all about? Are we really interested in what happens in Ukraine? Or are Ukraine, and to an extent, the situation between Gaza and Israel, used as opportunities to grandstand by party leaders? Uh, Joe Biden famously flew over to uh, Israel recently, but Zelensky was banned from going. Was that because the optics looked bad, because Zelensky isn't cutting it? I wonder what do you think. To what extent do you feel comfortable when our leaders commit us to military conflicts which have an uncertain outcome? Now it's got worse. The escalating situation in the Middle East shows no sign of abating. And on this, the hundredth day since that conflict began in very dramatic circumstances, over 23,000 people have died in Gaza. To put that in perspective, more than 1% of the entire population has died as a result. Many of them women and children, people with absolutely no combatant experience, whatever. Just people who live there and people who died there. To put that in perspective for the United Kingdom, it would be like three quarters of a million people being killed by another country. Is this really the best we can do? After centuries of negotiation, of politics, of alleged democracy, do we really think that it's wiser to commit arms to conflict and people and lives, lives which will never be regained, and people who are injured as well, orders of magnitude more, than those who die. I, for one, feel that the West is getting this very, very wrong. The Russians love their children too, as Sting, the singer famously sang once. And I'm sure that anybody who's lost a soldier, a son, perhaps a daughter, won't be too keen on the way that we've managed our situations. Worst of all, there's often talk about escalation, and I think we're seeing that to an extent, particularly in the Middle East conflict. I would hope that we get to a situation where we all grow up, where we recognize that when it comes to war, there aren't winners. There are just degrees of losing. I wonder what you think. Go to our website. Let me know your views. I'll be speaking to a political commentator in the United States in about an hour, John Fine, and I'll be putting some of those questions to him. 
and asking him if he thinks Joe Biden is really the right man for the job to lead the largest nuclear arsenal on the planet. He will be into his mid-80s if he wins again. He's known as the gaff monster or the gaff machine. We'll see what he has to say about that as well. I want to know what you have to say on that as well. Go to our website, put it on the chat. If I've got time, I'll read out your comments. But coming up in a moment, we've got a fellow TNT presenter and somebody describes herself as a stone in the shoe of the establishment. That's Abby Roberts. All of that coming up with me right here on the Levitor Big Show on TNT. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Abby Roberts, greetings, fellow TNT presenter. How are you doing? Greetings, Limbert. I I have to apologise. You're not seeing my beautiful face on a Sunday morning. I'm in a hotel room uh, on my phone because I have a mouse situation in my flat. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's been a week, honestly, you know, you know, all the things that can possibly go wrong. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's pretty much me. So it's just nice to be able to, uh, nice to be able to actually talk to you and, you know, and uh, and say hello. I forgive you for that. We will get plenty of you, though, because uh, you're going to be okay. doing quite a lot here on TNT. Tell us about your show before we yes. talk about you. Yes. Uh, so I'm doing uh, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. So starting tomorrow, very excited, the Abby Roberts show. And it's going to be pretty much what I was doing on GB News before I was um, unceremoniously uh, uninvited to go back on, because um, I believe that um, especially now we should be able to say everything that we want to. Uh, we There can't be any sort of negotiation with free speech. That's the point about free speech, isn't it? Uh, Elon Musk is often quoted as saying that free speech is meaningless unless you let people you don't like say things you don't like. And that does seem to me to be the essence. But what I've observed in the old legacy media is that Mm. they actually want to conform. They mean free speech as long as you're saying things that they like. A classic example is, I think, uh, on the state uh, British uh, outlet where you're not really allowed to question the climate change nonsense because the mm-hmm. science is settled uh, well i don't yes. think that's very good is it happy <laughs> yeah i mean absolutely i mean when is the, the science ever existed i mean i always call it the science tm you know sort of trademark science well we've, we've seen the ludicrous use of science over the last three or four years when everyone absolutely lost their marbles um over uh, o- over the covid debacle and then forced everyone to have uh, experimental vaccines and if, if people aren't furious still furious about that i don't really know what's going on so like i said i mean in a weird way comedians um and uh, i suppose um dissident politicians like yourself would you describe yourself as a sort of dis- well um sort of slightly on the periphery it is uh, it is it is our duty to be the stone in this in the establishment shoe, as I also call myself. I don't know if you saw on my on my on my um, blurb. I'm I'm the curly haired wasp that buzzes round their Colton Club Stider, and I'm very <laughs> proud to be that wasp. <laughs> doing that, you know, someone's got to be. I should explain that I never really intended to be a dissident politician, but. As I was talking yesterday uh, to a fantastic director called Naim Mahmoud, I just end up on the outside. I end mm-hmm. up being a nonconformist, even though I've always, I actually always wanted to conform. I, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be accepted. But the problem I've got is I'm not going to lie 
to be accepted. I can't accept that there's a climate emergency. It's utter rubbish. If you look at the, yes. the long-term history of the climate, uh, nothing special is going on now. Uh, I can't go along with the idea that we've got drugs policy right. Uh, you don't. You can't ban addiction. You can manage addiction. And yet we've yes. got all of this utter rubbish going on in our name. As I was saying at the beginning, uh, I've got this feeling that the West arrogantly thinks because it's mighty militarily, it necessarily mm -hmm. can win. Well, Vietnam would yes. suggest otherwise. Afghanistan would suggest otherwise. We've made the pig's ear of, of, of Iraq now on the basis of a false prospectus war. What is mm -hmm. going on, Abby? I mean, you are, I tried to be a comedian. I'll talk to you about that in a bit. But why are no. we in such a mess? Why are we in a situation where people just throw 100 billion uh, a Russian offensive in Ukraine, lose interest and yeah. go to Gaza? Um, it's because... As I, you know what? Actually, I thought I thought about you the other day because I collared John Sweeney on, uh, you know, near Lambeth Bridge. He was, you know, in his in his orange beanie. He was doing yeah. a, a broadcast. I collared him about this and said, "Where have you been, mate? In the last, uh, you know, with regards to everything, not just uh, the COVID stuff, but but Ukraine and Gaza. Where the, the 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 reason we're in this situation is because we are having our voices suppressed. There's no question. We're it, it's a, it's um, we're only getting one side of the argument. Um, and that's why I think we're, we're more important than ever. And, uh, I, you know, when I lived in Russia, um, I studied there. Um, and so, Ruskie Ludi Toje Lubiat Ich which means the Russians also love, the Russian people also love their children. So I have, I mean, I'm Russian Orthodox. You know, I've been called a Russian spy, Lembit. Um, you know, I remember a few years ago, you know, when the Brexit thing happened, you know, and Trump. Uh, got into 2016 um, because I spoke Russian. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I'll be doing a radio show with some fellow comedians, and the comedians jokingly, when I said I spoke Russian, they called me Mrs. Trump because that is, <laughs> that is the level that they're. You know, whatever you think about Trump, being a Russian speaker should not label you as something um, as anything other than just you speak Russian, you know, the Rus I know the Russian people. Um, I think there's been a lot of misunderstanding about what what's happening in Ukraine and, and Rus the Russian speakers in the Donbass. All that is we've, we've basically had the truth steamrolled um, by uh, the legacy media. So it's probably it's, ironically, we're doing propaganda like the, we used to accuse the Russians of. And that's what's very uh, telling, isn't it? I, I, some of the people I love the most are Russians. They're ironic. Yes. They're prosaic. Uh -huh. They don't mm -hmm. pretend their nation is perfect. Not at survivors. all. Absolutely. Sublastly, yeah, it's true, as I agree in Russian. Um, but uh, yes, and, and the Russian, are, I mean, every, all the, be I mean, I'm reading, I'm rereading Crime and Punishment, um, sort of partly in Russian, partly in English. Uh, sorry, to, I'm sounding a bit of a swap. But the, the greatest literature art and music has come out of Russia, whether we like it or not. If you think about all the great, greatest literature and uh, and some of the greatest music, you know, um, so that's uh, that's something which, and I'm, I'm, like I said, that's that's part of me. Maybe people who don't only know me as a comedian and a kind of funny, you know, the sort of the the big hair and the and the big boobs might not know that I have a very very strong. Um, spiritual, a dusha, the Russians call it a dusha, which is, it means soul in English, but it's more than that. You know, there's a kind of, um, maybe like a hinterland, there's a spiritual uh, inner uh, strength that that um, that you draw on. Um, so I'll be doing, a, I'll be doing a bit of that in my daily show.
in my shows on next week, well, there'll be a little element um, for people to just reflect at the end of the show. You could, get arrest, you could get arrested uh, again as, as, again. Uh, as a sympathiser with the enemy. Exactly. Oh, well, the arrest, I mean, talk about um, uh, sort of being similar to my Russian, you know, my Russian friends and things that they, I mean, I'm not I'm not comparing myself to Solzhenitsyn and, uh, you know, because I wasn't sent to Siberia. But I mean, Hoban police station is pretty bloody awful. Um, I mean, for 17 hours, Lembit. And you know what? It was I was outside the COVID inquiry. I swore. I said the F word. I am gonna. I am obviously. I'm known for being a bit a bit sweary, but I I will not be uh, dropping any C bombs uh, next week. Thank you, everyone at TNT. Thank you, thank you, everyone at TNT. Breathes a sigh of relief. Yes, I'll be finding other. I mean, you know, uh, I'll have to think of other words like maybe maybe a bunch of Jeremy's Jeremy Hunts. You know, there'll be a bit of rhyme. Uh, would that be okay? The Great Wall of Jeremy's. Um, but you know, thanks for testing hours. those out on my show. I really appreciate oh, it. Sorry, Lemby. I'm just for you see, you laugh. <laughs> I think that's probably a good sign. <laughs> um, yeah, so 17 hours for, for saying the F word outside the COVID inquiry, which is a whitewash, when Matt Hancock was in there, who is reprehensible and would have been doing, uh, you know, all sorts of we should have locked down harder, we should have locked people in their homes, we should have, you know, all the things that happened for, for two years on end. Um, and I was, um, I, they said, well, if you swear again, we're going to arrest you. So I swore again and I was taken to Hoban police station and spent 17 hours in a police cell. And then um, when I was released, the, the charge, I think I got a community resolution, which is basically a, a slap on the wrist. Um, and I was kept there, they said, because they, it was to do with um, sort of terrorist activity. That was their words, the protest. Um, and I'm very proud that I, that I, one of the proudest moments of my life, actually, was being arrested because that's where we are, Lembit. That's how important every. I'm not just, and it's not just COVID. Like you say, it's the climate lies. It's the uh, going to ramping up the war machine stuff. It's the trans activist. It's everywhere you look, people are lying, and you and I, we're the we're we're the rebels. We're the truth. We're people that drop the the truth bombs in. That's and interesting. It's interesting and, in my view, ironic that the outliers are the ones who stick to real science and who actually have a sense of proportion and don't and rationality. Think, yeah, and don't think that it was right to let Black Lives Matter do whatever they wanted in demonstrations, ignoring the lockdown. Mm. Well, those people mm. who weren't too happy about the biggest medical experiment in British and global history. Uh, sure. Those people who objected to it were regarded as as criminals. It's an insane. Yes, I, I got Absolutely a vaccine. Insane. I got a vaccine injury. I had blood pressure problems as a result. Yeah, uh, and and I, I'm oh, the sorry, one who's, who's, who's the crazy. Well, you just have to deal with it. But, uh, I won't. Yes. Never, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. But but yeah. we're the ones who regarded as the nutters. Yes, absolutely. And as, as I'm sure you um, you might remember on GB News, I mean, John Gaunt, John Gaunt was my kind of uh, my my um, on screen sort of enemy. Um, and it was the, one of the most terrifying experiences to be sitting there thinking, well, I I mean, I, I didn't have any of the vaccines. And I suddenly found myself thinking, hang on, hang on a minute. In what world do I have to defend myself? Um, uh, about what I put into my own body. I mean, to, mm. give, to give you an example, my own doctor said he would never have another vaccine ever again. And this is a mainstream, this is a perfectly, you know, mainstream sort of, uh, you know, uh, a doctor. So 
people are waking up to the lies and like i said it's not just the um the, i mean the covid lie is enormous i'm i am hoping there are public trials uh, for the people that pushed the this nonsense on uh, on the um the global population i mean you know we can one can hope if the post office uh, thing took that long you know to to expose i'm 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 not holding out much hope lembit but that's why it's important that's why i cannot wait to get on the tnt airwaves because i want people to hear people that haven't quite woken up i want them to go oh actually yes that's a really good point because we mustn't let them get away with it the black lives matter all that terrible race really what it did to race relations it took it back you know 60 years so people were sort of um i mean the color of someone's skin is the least important part about them surely you look at them and go well that person looks different but what's inside well that isn't that sort of that's what i was always taught um but you know here we are lembit and uh, i mean the great thing is that i think the legacy media i hope they're panicking i hope they're going god abby roberts and lembit opie they're on tnt <laughs> oh no <laughs> you know i really hope they're sweating i hope john gaunt the i was going to say use a really rude word the fat Don't bastard um, i'll Don't use that instead, is is um <laughs> is is nervous because i think but, people should be i mean look we were made to feel i was made to feel like a pariah uh, for three years, so you know it's now it's their turn. Yeah, I'm to be with you on that. Uh, stay with yeah. us. Uh, you're listening to Lambertopic and Abby Roberts talking about free speech. If you've got something to say, go to our site, put your name in, and put your comment in. I've got time; I'll read it out as well. Uh, we've got another forty minutes of Abby Roberts right here on the Lambertopic show and TNT. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket-propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio.
We're going to go back to Abby Roberts here on the Lampetopic show in just a minute. I just want to read you a message from Hidden in Plain Sight. Did anyone see Biden being led off stage by his missus? He was absolutely, can't use the word. He didn't know his backside was punched aboard, as dad used to say, years ago. We're going to be talking about Joe Biden in the next hour with a political commentator who's getting up extra early live in the United States. And I shall put some of your questions uh, there. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden's very popular <laughs> with you guys. Uh, I wonder what you make of Donald Trump as well. Uh, there's some interesting gifts there as well. Do go to our site if you want to see them. And uh, and uh, Merciless Ming says you need to be on TNT to wake up uh, uh, the Awoken. That's right. Uh, we are doing our best to wake people up from woke. It's probably quite a good slogan, actually. And none better than Abby Roberts, who's my guest today. Abby, uh, thanks for joining us on TNT. Of course, you're a fellow presenter and you'll be busy all week, won't you? I will, yes, indeed. From um, from 8 a.m. tomorrow on the airwaves uh, with my little green screen, like uh, like I said, you know, in the, in the studio. Um, so looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to um, chatting to, you know, doing the live chat and maybe having some calls and, um, and, and, and of course, my opinions on what's happening in the world. It's been nice to sort of not think, oh, God, can I can I say that? Uh, well, not that that's ever been a problem with me, Lembit, as, as you know. That's Shakespeare actually predicted TNT. We few, we noble few, we band of brothers and sisters and gentlemen in England now abed shall think they themselves are cursed they were not here on TNT. I won't bother you modify a little bit there, Abby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Henry, Henry I, V foresaw. Yeah. Yes. I, it's a actually, that. Yeah, I actually learned that in primary school, never forgotten it. Well, I want to talk you? to you about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to a good school. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do that good. now. It'll be Percy Pig or something, I don't know. It was a it was a pod it was a posh school I can tell you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I know when to put say. I know when to put I know when to put an apostrophe into it. So there we go. Um, yes, anyway, it wasn't listen, in Merthyr. Ben, we'll put it that way. In Merthyr, definitely not. I, I, I'm not a I'm not a language expert. I do know some, of course, if you want some tuition. Though, of course, people can come to you for their Russian, perhaps. I want to talk to you about <laughs> yeah. comedy. I, yeah. I I dabbled. I suppose I technically was professional in comedy around 2010 briefly, but I found it incredibly stressful because in politics, yeah. when you're on a stage, people can damn you for what you believe. In comedy, it's you. They damn you for being you, for being not funny. Sometimes I did pretty good uh, performances, but absolutely crashed oh. and burned in Glastonbury, for example. Yeah. What's the essence of being a successful comedian? Um, the essence of being a successful comedian is 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 try, try, and try again. Genuinely, when I started, must be about 2011, 2012, really, that was when I sort of went sort of to get started to get more pro um in pro clubs. It was genuinely doing a five-minute here, five-minute there. Um, and actually, um confidence. If if you walk on the stage and um, and you'll know this from from doing political speeches, if you if you're unsure in the first sort of few seconds, then the audience can smell it. Because they'll smell it like blood. Yeah, yeah. So I um and, and I think it's it, it's gaining confidence. That's that's actually I mean from my the way I perform, I'm I'm not a I'm not someone that follows a script or you know how sometimes people have the same like they may even have a prop like a wine glass or a, or a beer bottle. Yeah. I've I move around the stage and I I go off what the audience is um is doing as well and saying. But then that you know that take it takes time to develop your own style you know. But I think yeah success is you know the old age old thing of you just do it enough and you suddenly find oh actually 
I'm, you know, I'm getting, this is quite good now. Getting used to it. I, I thought that, but then I backed out and I just gave up in the end because it was just too stressful. And <laughs> it's stressful. Think, yeah. One thing I did notice though were some of the big professionals. I won't name them, but yeah. even their ad libs were prepared because I'd travel around with yeah. them. I'd be on the circuit, and they yeah. were brilliant. But it was exactly the same every single time. And yes. I was a bit surprised yeah. by that because I actually tended to think that improvisation played a bigger role. There were some brilliant, absolutely brilliant comedians. Paul Foote, he is absolute master of yes. improvisation. Paul Foote's great, uh, Nina, yeah. Nina Conti does this fantastic uh, ventriloquist act. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. And yeah. uh, once again, it's prepared, but she does play with the audience as well. What's your style? Um, my style is um, move, uh, very energetic, move around the stage. I do voices. Um, I do bit snippets of songs, but not. It's not, I'm not a musical comedian. I'd say. I mean, somebody did call me um, once many years ago, uh, Robin Williams with tits. So I thought it was quite. Um, <laughs> and a, a TNT are like sweating now. Oh no, she's gone. Is it straight into uh, into 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 uh, rude risky business? Um, risky business. So risky business. Sorry, but I mean, you know, got to be said. Uh, we. I mean, I am a woman, uh, a real woman, not a man who thinks they're a woman. Um, and uh, yeah, so my style very. I'd say in your face, um, sort of. Um, yeah, just I throw everything at the wall. Everything at the wall. Um, energy, you know. Yeah, voices, um, bits of yeah, bits of music, opinionated. Uh, I do kind of long. I did did a long section once. This is many years ago about why I don't like jazz. But I did all the instruments as if I was the band playing one after the other. So, <laughs> and it went on for about four minutes, which is ironic because that's exactly how long jazz usually goes on for. That yes, was my, it does. That, that was my, one of my routines. Um, yeah, so there's also you know do political. I do um, I when the when the COVID all the nonsense happened. I was doing um, you know uh, Dolly Parton vaccine 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 vaccine. I'm begging you, <laughs> please just get the jab. It may cause blood clots in your legs and fry your brain and leave you dead. But I don't give a bleep because I've been paid. <laughs> so that was um. Oh, you know, Justin Welby, I was taking the mick out of him and, you know, as Jesus, uh, to love one another, as Jesus said, get vaccinated, get boosted. I did this whole thing about, I don't remember the Sermon on the Mount ever including anything about having experimental MRI gene therapies. I mean, it kind of went a bit mad because, you know, you, you're dealing with stuff, you're thinking, and the dancing nurses, you know, all the dancing, all the things you saw uh, in the last week when all the nurses were, were dancing. So I did it as if um, it was back in 1918 with the, the, the great flu pandemic. And I did it as if I was a nurse back then doing the Charleston when she had a patient lying in a field hospital to, 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 just to illustrate how absurd it was that we were meant to be in this, you know, ICUs overflowing. But they managed to rehearse um, Lizzo routines. I, mean, I just, anyway, yeah, but we know, we know it's all nonsense. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was pretty, so I had to develop bits of material very quickly, Lembit, for my which, stuff. Which, com which comedians do you admire the most? Do you know my mother most? Oh, um, a lot of them are American. So Sam Kinison 
You familiar with him? So he's, he used to be a preacher before he became, he's, he's uh, long dead now, very big in the sort of 60s, 70s. Um, he used to wear a bandana and shout at the audience. But he was really, because he'd been a preacher, he trained to be a preacher. He had this great, uh, Eddie Murphy, one of my all-time heroes. Uh, I think he's, you can't teach, you can't teach what Eddie Murphy knows. You can't, actually, I believe you can't teach people to be, I think they're either funny or they're not. I think funny bones, it's in you. It's it's like, you know, when people go, I've gone on a course. I'm like, what, to be funny? Why? Hmm. You know, you just, you should just write a bit of material and then just do it and then, and then see yeah. where you are. So Eddie Murphy, um, who else do I like? Um, oh, I mean, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, all those, actually, Ricky Chappelle. Dave Chappelle produced his one of the all time greatest ironic pieces of comedy is the black yes. white supremacist when yes. he pretends to be blind and he doesn't realize he's <laughs> no. black and he's a racist. Yes. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Which of, course, which of course, now this is interesting because um, Steve Martin, remember that film where I think it was called, I can't remember the name of the film now, um, I'm ashamed to say, exactly the same premise. Steve Martin did a film many years ago. Where do you remember where he's blind and he thinks he's black? So actually, Dave Chappelle, I think. Oh God, sorry to say this. I think he may have nicked that idea off Steve Martin. Yes, I think. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. It's really Absolutely. good though. Yeah, the Steve Martin film is um is 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 is, is and of course at the time this is in the seventies nobody was doing stuff like that about uh, yeah. well you know thinking thinking you were black <laughs> Steve Martin believing he was black. Um, yeah, should... which I find. Dave yeah, Chappelle, of course, has been subject to cancellation. Yeah, he's another one who um, who fights for free speech and gets angry. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his yeah. sets when he's he's not even being very funny. He's angry about the way he's been treated. And then there's yeah. Uh, yeah. there's um, Larry David. I love yes. his work. Um, Great, it's, um, yeah. The way he sends himself up is on to what the twentieth series of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm now. Yes, uh, I love Curb. Again, I love all that. Um, I, I've often been told that uh, a person's sense of humour is proportional to their intelligence. Do you agree? Oh, yes. Well, I would. I would agree. Yes, <laughs> I don't think you can... Uh, but I don't think... Uh, yes, I do think, you you, you know, we, yeah, I, you definitely have to be bright. You have to be quick, I think, to be a comedian. Because there's no... You, you can't be on the stage going, oh, oh, um, hang on a minute, what did you say again? To the person that, you know, you've got to be quite quick thinking. However... I think the funny should come before the message, should come before the inter it's not an intellectual endeavor. I think if you do you ever watch um like um Seinfeld, you know, when he does the comedians yeah. in cars getting coffee, they they they're always saying, you know, he's always saying to his mate, you know, his thing is like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, we get the fact that you might have read some books, whatever, but just give us the funny. Get make us laugh and then and then we might and then if if people then go, oh, actually, that's a really good point, then great. But don't don't obsess about um yeah about intellectualizing it. I don't think a bit like um you know spiritual uh, faith in God when people go, oh, how many how how much of the Bible have you read and do you, can you quote? It's like, oh, that's kind of that's so it's, I can't tell you how relevant that is. I think yeah. in everyday everyday life. Yeah, the 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 world of comedy I've respected immensely, having dabbled in it. But, yes. you know, the good thing about being a politician is if you tell a joke and it's not funny, people just think it's a serious point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I used exactly. to hide behind that, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, 
Um, but then again, when you, it, but then again, when you make a funny point, though, um, it is good, isn't it? Because then people go, "Oh, Lembit's actually, oh, he's, he's he's very amusing." I tell you what's worse is when people think they're funny. Politicians, you know, go, oh, like I mean, who is it? Um, not like Liz Truss. Well, you know, when someone says something and they, it's obvious that they haven't written the joke for a start. Someone yes. else, some um, jobs worth has gone, oh, this will be good. Yes. And then the person says, well, as I was saying to so-and-so, it's the way they deliver it. And you're there going, oh, my God, just the cringe, the cringe factor. So when somebody, uh, was a politician is amusing, it's it's a very welcome relief, I think. Welcome, you know, yeah. to, to hear it. Charles, yeah, the late Charles Kennedy, who for those who don't know him was the leader of the liberal mm. democrats when i was wonderful MP. man lovely guy very humble yeah. he was just a, he was a natural comic I, I once asked him what's it like to be so famous he said it can go to your head he said for example Lembe, i got into a black cab in central london told the man to go to heathrow airport which is about a 20 mile run i could see the driver looking at me in the wind in the rearview mirror while i was making my calls and just before we got into the airport he said you're gonna have to give me a clue sir I said, I'm Charles Kennedy. I'm leader of the Liberal Democrats. We hope to be in government after the next election, to which the driver said, which terminal, sir? <laughs> which is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Uh, I don't know if it happened I or not, that. but beautiful humility in Charles's, yes. uh, uh, Charles's side. Yes. Uh, but Great he comment. Uh, he was, but uh, he wasn't valued by his own party. He was pushed out by Nick yes. Clegg, who then destroyed the party, actually. But that's another yes, story. Yes, for sure. Oh, Nick Clegg, terrible. Yeah, I agree. Why did... Why did Nick Clegg cross the road? Because he promised not to. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you can have that one for free. Um, I, I, I'll you, use tomorrow. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, you, you, yeah, use comedy, you use comedy to make a point. And to what extent yeah. do you think you're able to express serious a serious narrative using pathos? Um, mm, what do you mean? In, in a comedy set or just in general? Uh, well, I'm actually thinking in a comedy sense, uh, standing on a stage, yes. to what extent will an audience be receptive to a serious message told oh, in an amusing way? Message. Yes, very, very, very good point. Um, mm, well, in an Edinburgh show, in an hour-long show, and it's funny because I'm sure you've, you're probably aware of this, amongst comedians, um, when you're doing an Edinburgh show, there is something called the Dead Dad Show, which actually became like a kind of thing where um, at 40 minutes... In, in an hour, you would do the pathos bit. And I always used to think it was very crowbarred in until, of course, you're you're writing an hour show and you think, oh, yeah, I need a little bit of something to ring the changes. Um, but I think in a 20-minute set, that's quite difficult to do because it's not a TED talk. You know, you're in, I mean, I've, I've been in, you know, you're in Liverpool, for instance, um, you know, and you've got um, like a, a, a hen do and they're like, Fork out, you know, tell us a joke, tell us a joke. Because everyone in Liverpool, you know, they think they're comedians, they all think they're comedians. They do not want you to be standing there saying, well, let me tell you about um, the time when, blah, blah. I, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a real, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something I, I would do in 20 minutes, I don't think. Mm -hmm. It's quite hard. It's you know, something which has a serious message. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fine line for me as well. The other thing I realised is that if you get it wrong, if you misjudge the audience, it's yeah. irrecoverable. That's what happened to me. I did the Glastonbury Festival, the world-famous Glastonbury Fe Festival. Yes. I did what's called the left field stage, thanks to my friend Billy Bragg, who 
massively overestimated my comic potential. And yeah. I was arrogant, I was hubristic enough to say yes, uh, because I wanted yeah. to be able to say for the rest of my life, I've done Glastonbury, I can, but it wasn't an edifying experience. It's somewhere on the internet. Yeah. And yeah. I packed it in after about 20 minutes because I was rubbish, basically. I hadn't figured out how to get a bunch of, let's just say, well lubricated and, yes. and, and all very high people. Entertained. Yes, yes. I just couldn't engage. And because for the first really 10 minutes tough. it didn't work, I, I, it just crashed. Yeah. And I, I stopped when somebody shouted about 20 minutes in, when does the comedy hour start, Lembit? Which caused much <laughs> more of a laugh than anything I'd said. And yeah. so in the end, <laughs> I walked when the off. Is funnier. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I had my <laughs> agent there and in silence. Oh. We, sat, we sat in uh, my oh. tent in silence. He said, We'll probably not be invited back, Len, but that's what he said. <laughs> it just crushed me, totally crushed but, me. It was awful. But these things, this is these things are sent to test These things are sent to test us, Len, but they make you stronger. And, you know, I mean, I've had I've had bad, really bad gigs, and you sort of come off and go, oh, quick, you always want to put a disguise on, you know, like, oh, quick, give me some dark dark glasses. But the, the fact remains is that... Um, you know, people can can cart from the sidelines, but they they wouldn't do it themselves. So that's that's what I always always think to myself is, yeah, you can feel free to criticise, but go ahead. You know, you you go on a big stage and and do it. Billy Bragg, though, I tell you what. Um, sorry if uh, I don't know how close you are to him, but he's been terrible with the trans activist stuff, hasn't he? He's been awful. He's been he's been MIA, missing in action. I was going to say he underestimated he underestimated your comedy, um, your comedy <laughs> skills, but um, he's also underestimated his own musical. Ability, sorry. No, he, no, he massively <laughs> overestimated my songs known he, to man. He and I both overestimate massively overestimated my comedy skills. I think. Funny <laughs> enough, the day I actually the day I did Glastonbury, I also did my best heat live TV performance on a on a on a oh. program, and I was absolutely pumped up. Billy, I like because he has actually done some very serious uh, campaigning work. Some of which I agree with, not all of it, but some of yes. it I agree with. And he wrote one yeah. of the great, the greatest song, the late Kirsty McCullough, sang, which is a New England, which he rewrote for her. Um, but Billy Bragg, yeah, I do love, well. I do love New England. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful song, very meaningful words. And Billy Bragg oh. seems to do in music what you try to do with comedy, and I really respect that. And in his earlier days, he was very angry, and I understood that. A bit oh. like Ben Elton. Ben Elton purported to be a comedian, but actually, a lot of the time, he was just really ranting. But it was. The yes. right time and right place, like Alexi Sale. Uh, listen, don't go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have yeah. a bit more time. I want to talk to you about the state of the world next. Really, as a precursor mm. for your show for the week, uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. Do keep your calls and comments coming. Um, one person says here, Billy Bragg is now a fascist. He's anti-women, uh, says Harry May. Well, that's one view. Uh, I mean, share it here. Ben Elton, not funny. Uh, is not funny, says Holly. Uh, quite a lot of responses here. I'll read a few more out in a minute. Uh, this is the Lempitopic Show on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, 
help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. Pod four swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Report a cyber tip today. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, one and all. We're still with Ali Roberts, my fellow presenter. We're going to talk about the week ahead in a moment. I wanted to read some of the messages for you first coming in uh, on the chat. Uh, Hidden in Plain Sight says, Comedy is either there or it ain't. Like being able to catch or kick a ball. Either you have it or you don't. Uh, I can catch a ball, but not kick it. Fair enough. Uh, Harry uh, May adds to his general criticism of Billy Bragg. Just check his Twitter feed. Billy Bragg is just plain awful. I'll have a look. Skippy talks about Ben Elton. His only good work was The Young Ones, but I don't know how much of it he actually wrote. Nor do I, Skippy. Uh, Blodder says, um, hey, Harry, how's it going over in Japan? Oh, sorry. That's just chat. Sorry about that. Applaud as you do your own chatting there. Uh, do keep your calls and comments coming. Uh, young Ones, Harry adds, Harry May adds, Young Ones was one of its time. It is quite dated now, actually. But for its time, it was quite groundbreaking, a little bit like uh, um, Not the Nine O'Clock News, which, once again, was oh. absolutely inspirational. Uh, Abby, uh, I want to talk oh. just a bit about politics uh, in a moment. But first of all, yeah. it seemed to me that the 80s were a period of great experimentation uh monty python's fine circus did it in the 70s i yeah. sensed that in the 80s you were really actually allowed to take risks with comedy and the b and, and the state broadcaster allowed it too but that's all been squeezed yeah. out now what's your view oh god well, where do we start with the media i mean the the, the legacy media traitors the lot of them bbc itv you name it um, they have destroyed. Well, not just them. They've they've destroyed comedy. Um, the the comedians themselves. What I call the shiny. I call them the black shiny floor comedians. You know, because they're always on that. You know, they're sort of in a in a in a sort of big studio with all the. And they they've um, they've gone along with it. This is the thing: is that there's it, it astounds me, Lembit, that especially the last four years, but even slightly further back than that. You know, with the, with Brexit and um and uh, and the Trump stuff. The comedians just became terrified of their own shadows. You know, you sort of have people go, oh, we, we must, it's groupthink, disgraceful groupthink. And I didn't, I just thought, I, I think the good thing is that now we are seeing a bit of a renaissance and the group of us um, who are very much sort of the vanguard, you know, we're pushing back. And I think it, we're going to see some exciting stuff over the next few years. And I, I pray the legacy media is destroyed it just crashes and burns and that people are uh, kind of like TNT 
and very other channels are at the are absolutely the forefront of the of the news. It'll be like a revolution. It'll be like a, a like like the eighties was, like you rightly said. You know, wait, do you remember all those late night programs? You know, like um, with Oliver Reed stumbling about. What were they called? After Hours or something? Or you know those um, you know those ones where you tuned in. It's like oh my, you, you almost couldn't believe you had know, Oliver Reed <laughs> pissed as a fart, and then Janet Straight Barrett Straight Paul shall be on it. Parkinson was a bit like that uh I remember yeah. George Best uh George Best was on he's very drunk and quite rude yeah. um and yeah. him and Parkinson were good friends and George Best never made a secret of his drink problem he, he admitted yeah. it was just a disease which he tried to keep under control and sometimes he did yeah. about three months later he was on Parky again and Parkinson so what happened the last time and George Best apparently said well, two of my friends, Oliver Reed and Alex Higgins, phoned me up afterwards and said, "You look fine to us." <laughs> and, uh, exactly. And you can't kind of get away with this anymore because the thought police will say, "No, he can't really endorse drinking." Uh, yes, or you can't, talk you can't about have these any frailties. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You can't. You, oh, nobody can be human anymore. No one can have. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, but I mean, yeah, I loved all these late night. You know, you know when you're you remember the big breakfast. Oh my goodness, they would never have Johnny Vaughan and um, Denise Van Outen on there, sort of. And Chris Evans, who was wonderful. Remember his uh, Chris Evans um, Friday, uh, Friday night show. You know, at the desk, stumbling around. You know, being very, very uh, close to the bone. All that. We need that back. Absolutely, and I but I, I do have some hope because I think the younger I do think the young the younger generation I think coming through so sort of sort of from fifteen sixteen I I, I think they're 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 going to push back against it. Lambert is what is my hope, but well, you know I'm, I'm yeah not I miss sure. all those days. They're being fed a not diet being. of climate emergency rubbish uh, oh, yeah. all the time, and uh, yeah. when I worked in a different broadcaster, I used to talk about the actual science. I went. Yeah. I spent a few hours one time at the request of one of the producers, sending her an email explaining why human beings cannot be responsible for significant climate change. I put it yeah. down, put it references, put references absolutely open and shut. Mm. Well, she sent me a letter back saying, "No, oh, thanks very much. You obviously spent a lot of time on this, but obviously I'm not going to change my view." I thought, well, "What's the point? <laughs> What's the point of being a broadcaster if your mind's already yes. closed? Crazy." Yes. That's yes. Yes. Agree. Yeah, let, let, let's look at the week ahead then. Um, yeah. You know, we've got two wars. Uh, we've got a bumbling American president. We've got a potential future American president who could be running the United States from behind bars, apparently. Um, though yeah, it's, great. It, he himself regards it all as a big witch hunt. We'll be covering that in the next hour here on TNT. Um, what do you think will be the big themes in the week ahead? Well, the big themes, well, the uh, WEF, the, the World Economic Forum, one of the, you know, the, the, it's always isn't it? always in threes, these things, WEF and whatever, WHO, bloody hell. Um, they've got Davos. They're starting tomorrow at Davos. Um, so I'll be talking about that. Very sinister for the greater good, uh, you know, with Klaus Schwab uh, doing his, or t I don't know if you've seen the video that he does, it, using his, um, uh, what do you call it, um, Oh, you know, the, all these gestures, which are sort of uh, quite aggressive gestures when he's talking. Um, 
I can't remember the name of it now. You know, when you, you uh, I, I can't remember the name of the psych, psychology. Um, that, Is it that Neuro Linguistic Programming? That's NLP. It, NLP. Thank you. God bless you, Lembit, because I was thinking earlier, NL, must mention NLP. He's doing all that, exactly. He's doing all that, like, you can't see me, because uh, all you can see is, like, it looks like on my photo in the... The viewers, I do apologise. It looks like two stones, one on top of the other. It looks like a Buddha in the thing. Anyway, it will be it will be perfect tomorrow. I assure you, I'm not I'm not in a hotel tomorrow. Um, but um, yes, the week's ahead. So WEF, that's very important. I'll be talking about that Davos. Um, the the new the you know if people are in any doubt now uh, that there is something very sinister going on that is being organised from these. You know the, the sort of elites, these echelons, these elitist echelons. Then they need their heads examined. So we're going to be um, talking about that. I'll be talking actually um, about the way the weather's described as well, because Arctic, an Arctic beast, apparently, a Siberian Arctic beast. When did the weather start becoming apocalyptic? Like you said, it's but it's all it's all to do with the climate stuff. You know, oh, let's all just you know. Uh, you know, scream and be scared because um, it's winter, it's cold, you know, all before this sort of we, stuff. Yeah. Before we talk about the weather, just a word about yeah. w, well, WEF. I, I was half invited to go and give a talk there, actually, but oh, I blimey. didn't go. Yeah, I didn't feel comfortable about yeah. it, really, because yeah. I couldn't understand what I could say that they would agree with, to be honest with you, because I'd yeah. rather get up and say you are an unelected autocracy uh, who has, which aims to have world leaders in your pocket. That's probably the speech yes. I'd like to make. And yet, Quite. Uh, yes. uh, I, as you know, Klaus Schwab himself said, I think, he said that his aim, paraphrasing, is that people can have nothing but be happy. I don't think he has nothing. I think he's quite wealthy, yes. actually. And so we've got these unelected people who I think more or less brag about the fact that they can summon people. And then you've got the future mm. Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Keir Starmer, who seemed to say he'd prefer to be within davos then in parliament did he ever yes. did he actually think about it before he made the move i mean what's this yeah. all about so yeah. we've got crazy we've got a, yeah and then world health organization which basically wants mm -hmm. to take on governmental responsibility to telling us that it's more or less mandatory to have jabs whatever's in the jabs yeah. um yes. that, i think it's going to be a rich seam of provocation for tnt and uh yes absolutely and I, I i will be confronting that head on and uh and as and you know I, I do i do a podcast every evening my own podcast abby daily which has been going for two years and that people will know uh that i i, I don't leave any stone unturned and I, as i said earlier when we started talking um for good reason i see it as my duty absolutely my duty for as long as i'm on this earth to keep pushing back and being that annoying stone in the shoe of the establishment because you know it's i just i, I just don't I, don't I don't have any other choice really but, it's either, but i do think yeah i do think there's some uh, you know common purpose which i'm sure you you know about yes. um common purpose the market organization started by julian middleton uh, many years ago that's essentially what the wef is so um that has been hasn't it in train for what 30 40 years now and that's what we're seeing is that the long mark for the institutions um yes. very scary but we but that's why we need to turn turn the tide back i think mm -hmm. very quickly uh, no i agree with you uh, um, and we'll obviously be covering uh, and you will be covering uh, the world uh, economic forum on your show all through the week on tnt yes you also mentioned yeah. the weather and you're right uh, i said before and i'll say again you have to be suspicious of a theory a climate theory which blames mm. record heat record cold 
record floods and record drought all on the same phenomenon. <laughs> um, yes, and yes. It's just, it, it's, it's as if they, well, they do get away with it to an extent, but as if they think that we can't look at the record and discover the parts yeah. of the Sahara were lush forest some thousand years, yes. a few thousand years ago. And the fact that um, the Antarctic recorded its second coldest six months in 2021. It's it's yeah. extraordinary. I'm actually reading something now. It's I'm going to get somebody on next week onto this. It, he shared with me uh, a piece of research which looks at hundreds, hundreds of different bits of research from the early 1800s. It actually suggests that carbon dioxide was about the same then as it is now. Uh, but but they get away yes. with it because people yeah. seem to want a religion which doesn't involve going to church. And that seems that's to me exactly, that's what, what we've that's got. That's exactly right. What's happened now with the, uh, I made this point a couple of years ago. So what you've got with the uh, the, the race uh, stuff, the, the BLM, trans, climate, COVID, those three are all have have elements of of a, of a cult of a religious cult that doesn't involve god and christ and self-reflection and uh you know rationality um so I, I find that very interesting there's a vacuum that's been created and all these things of course have been sucked in because nature abhors a vacuum well great i love that because uh, that definitely applies to now but you're you know and also people never are, um i said this on gb news actually people looked at me aghast someone said what, what are you talking about i said well nobody ever mentions the sun you know the sun's activity limit and um and solar flares and are we going, you know, solar, the solar minimum and all that? I mean, what happens if we're going actually not into a um, a warming period, but a cooling period? What, why don't why don't people look at that? That's we are that actually, we, we are yes. actually going into a cooling period. Uh, anybody yeah. who it's one of the ironies in this is that when I'm accused of being a climate change denier, I go, hold on yeah. a second. I claim the climate has always changed. I further claim we cannot yes. stop that change. You are the climate change denier. If you think yes. that humanity in all its hubristic arrogance has the power to control the climate, we don't. We can't. Uh, but yes, that, quite. it almost comes as a shock to people when you say things like this. And of course, the climate change <laughs> denier phrase is a bald allusion to Holocaust denial. Uh, another example mm. of what you said before, they just shout down, and my previous guest, Howard Cox, said they just shout down the opposition because they can't win the debate. Incidentally, uh, yeah. I, I love debating with these people, uh, but they just won't stay with it. And they said, so no. you should be cancelled. You should be cancelled. No, well, why? If your arguments are so strong, then beat my arguments. Um, just one question yes. about um, about Keir Starmer. Um, how do you think yeah. he's doing? Uh, Rishi Sunak seems to be oh. on the way out. But are we going to do any better under Keir Starmer? No, it's it's a uniparty. Um, I mean, it's two 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 um, cheeks of the same you know same arse. Um, and, and the same in the, the same in America. Um, we we are living in very very well dangerous times because we've seen everything seems to be uh, much of a muchness. You know, with this and I know people kind of sigh and people go, oh, the glo oh, globalist. Blah, blah. But it is, isn't it? It's everyone's kind of nobody's singing from a different hymn sheet. They're all on the same sort of page. So Keir Starmer wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. Dreadful, boring politician. Um, yeah, I mean Rishi and Keir. Uh, the, to me, there's no difference. And actually, all of the House of Commons and the House of Lords, and so 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 people in government and opposition and the House of Lords, uh, for me, 
it was there was it was dereliction of duty over the last um, four years with the, with the COVID stuff. Nobody resigned. Nobody stood up and said, "You've got to be joking. We're not putting the British people through this. Uh, we're we're going to bankrupt the country um, because." And you're peddling fear. Um, there was nobody said, I, I'm out, I'm not going along with this, and I will, but, to the day I die, I will yep. never understand that, Lembit. Well, you're, def- never you're, definitely, why. you're definitely in, and TNT uh, viewers are in for a treat. That's Abby Roberts. She's going to be on every weekday, 8am, Greenwich Mean Time. Real pleasure to have you on. Uh, good luck with getting rid of the mice. Good luck with your show tomorrow. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we're, coming up next, we're crossing the pond to the Atlantic to talk about Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and what on earth Washington is thinking by throwing money at war all the time. All of that with me on the Lembitopic Show right here on TNT.